Hey, Border Fuel listeners. Before we start the show, I wanted to tell you why we chose to host Border Fuel Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Two, there's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Four, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Five, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Lastly, download the Anchor app for free or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Thanks for listening to the Border Fuel Podcast. Now, let's start the show. What is going on, everybody? You are back on Ballin' Over Beers. I am Justin Dupengeiser, joined, as always, by my guys, A.K. Howe and James Fetch. James, what is going on, brother? Yo, what's up, guys? The last week was, uh, I'm surprised we're back this week. It was pretty, I think we all got beat up pretty bad. If uh, you've ever watched Game of Thrones and you've seen the Red Wedding episode, that was basically <laughs> that was basically what happened. <laughs> it was brutal. That was all of us. Yes. AK, what's going on, dude? Not much. Just gearing up for a uh, fun weekend of some golf with the Masters going on and some NFL games. Kicking right off there tonight with a good game. And hopefully it's just a good positive weekend for us after last weekend's bloodbath. Yeah, it was a complete and total bloodbath, but it is a great week. It's Masters Week, one of my favorite weeks, and it's matched up with football this week. And my Kansas City Chiefs have a bye, so I don't have to worry about having to watch the Masters and the Chiefs. I can have Red Zone on one channel. I can have the Masters on another, and it is going to be a glorious, glorious Sunday, I think. Um, hopefully better lines uh... in DFS, too. There's more late games this week than early games. I think there's six late games and five 1 p.m. games. Yep, there is. I saw that too, and that's, I think, partially because they don't want to obviously contend with the Masters. That Not that it would matter because NFL would obviously get more viewership. Um, but the, it was pretty smart, too, of the Masters. They're actually going off in groups of three and on split tees because they want to get done sooner one because it gets dark so early on the East Coast. And then also because they don't want to compete with football. So pretty smart on both think, of those parts. Yeah, yeah, I think I heard that they like pretty much have to be done by like 3 o'clock or that's what they're shooting for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that I guess the I've listened to a few things and everybody's like, what's going to happen if they like go, go into a playoff? Like unless it's like Tiger and somebody, like they're going to get bumped. Like they're not going to – football's going to take precedence over golf every single day of the week. Yeah. For sure. But last week, like we said, last week we were pretty pumped up on the pod. I thought it was a good board. I thought I had a pretty good grip on it. And I ended up going 0 for 4 in the in the 4-pack, which was by far the worst um, I did all week. But it was some pretty interesting games. The, the Chiefs uh, had a narrow victory against the Panthers. And that was just Mr. Teddy Bridgewater. Just call him Mr. Cover because that is all the guy does. He just covers against the spread, which is just crazy to see. He keeps everybody close. He doesn't make turnovers, um, takes care of the ball. And when you're an underdog like that, that's kind of what you got to do. You know, we also watch the Bills take down the Seahawks in a big win for James's Bills there. Uh, got four turnovers on Russell Wilson. Josh Allen thrown for another 400-yard, three-touchdown game. Um Pretty interesting week. James, you got any big takeaways from week nine in the NFL action? I think my biggest takeaway is I've been um, a big supporter of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as my favorite in the NFC. And I think uh, DraftKings and other uh, web gambling websites probably agree in that the Saints seem to be the clear favorite on the NFC side. Uh, and and Watching that game on Sunday night was just surprising. I mean, it, it just looked like Tampa Bay did not prepare well for that game. They did not show up. 
the Saints just ate their lunch. And uh, it's, it's you know, from that game and, and from week one, I, I think it's pretty clear they have the, the, the Buccaneers number. And, um, you know, I, I think I feel good in saying that. Um, I, I do think Tampa Bay will still be uh, a powerhouse there, but I, I think the Saints are now the team to beat in the NFC. That was kind of my, my big takeaway. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And I thought I listened to the Pat McAfee show today and Rob Nankovich was on there, and I thought he made a pretty good point. And he said that he thought going into that game, basically, whichever team could keep their quarterback upright would have the better chance, and whichever team could you know, get after the other team's quarterback um, would have a better chance to win. And it kind of worked out that way. The Saints were able to get after Brady and knock him down a few times, make him uncomfortable, and the Bucks were not able to do that. And that's kind of how that played out. So I thought that was an interesting point and pretty, bro- pretty uh, well brought up by him. Um, What's interesting is um, Arians came out and said this is now the the second primetime game that Tampa Bay's lost, and he said he needs to come out and do a better job of getting his team prepared for those night games. So surprisingly, you know, it, it sounds like that's an issue for that team. Yeah, I wonder why that would be too. You'd think of especially in like Brady, he's played in so many primetime right. in, in in big games that it should be nothing for him. But AK, you have any big oh, takeaways? Um, I guess my biggest takeaway is how Pete Carroll said he was surprised how much the Bills threw the ball when you have an historically bad pass defense, how you could not expect any team to come out and just throw the ball 40 times against you. Um, I'm, I thought that was a pretty stupid comment to make by Pete Carroll. But other than that, I just the parody in the NFL is just what makes it the best sport in the world. On any given Sunday, a team can come out and just – play great against a far better opponent on paper. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty well put because you look at like the Dallas Cowboys who were playing Garrett Gilbert at, Gilbert at quarterback and have looked just terrible all year, and they play right down to the wider with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who many were regarding as one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL um, up to this point. You know, still undefeated. Uh, but they, they struggled. So it really is you, it's just, sometimes it just doesn't matter. You know, we watched last night, the Jets and the, and the Patriots were recording this on a Tuesday night. We watched the Jets and the Patriots in a pillow fight that ended up being a pretty interesting game, but you know, 30, 27 and both teams, you know, honestly, the Jets looked better than the Patriots. The Patriots just ended up winning. So it is very interesting to see. I think that the biggest takeaway for me is that even, even in, you know, the Chiefs, narrow victory of two points I think they've pretty much solidified themselves as the best team in the NFL and that's something that you've pretty much said the entire year James is that they really haven't done anything to show that they're not and I think that you can kind of see the the chink in a lot of these teams armor you know whether it be the Steelers and their vertical pass defense um, Ben Roethlisberger you know not being exactly who he was not saying he's terrible but he's not the quarterback that he used to be. You know, the Bucks getting embarrassed by the Saints. The Saints have thrown out some duds this year. Um, the Colts just got, you know, run over by the by the Ravens. And the Chiefs have already destroyed the Ravens. Uh, Russell Wilson just threw, you know, four interceptions. Uh, or had four turnovers, two interceptions, two fumbles against the Bills. So, to me, I think it's just that the Chiefs have really kind of solidified themselves as the, the betting favorite for the Super Bowl and also as the best team in the NFL. And I think that we've been saying for weeks that right now it's well, Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes won two in, in the MVP race. And I think that it's clearly Pat Mahomes right now as the favorite after after this past week. Um, and I think that's my kind of my biggest takeaway from that. But let's roll right on into the next segment, and we're going to recap our four-packs um, I'll give uh, AKU the honor of, of doing that first. Well, I had a Seattle first half and the Seattle um, total, and they just came out and laid an egg. They couldn't stop the Bills, and that was pretty terrible. I know last week when we were talking on it, I said I like the Buccaneers, but if the Saints, all their weapons were back, I'd probably pivot. But on my pick, I took the Bucks. but Sunday, if you follow me on Twitter, I did tweet out that I was uh, switching and going about the Saints, but I'll take a loss there. And then my lock of the week last week was the over in the Raiders game, and that was just a high school morning fun game to watch. So 
went one and three, but for the picks. James, you also went one and three this week, uh, so you can go next. Yeah, I got I, I gained one game on you, Justin. Uh, so you and I are, <laughs> yes, are tied for the lead. Yes, you did. My my offer week, you got one on me. Yeah, I had losses with uh, Seattle. I, I just thought uh, they obviously came out and um, the, the turnovers didn't help them, obviously. And, and I'm, I'm happy to lose money uh, betting against the Bills. I, I guess I'll, I'll never complain about that. I don't like losing money, but if it's you know turns into the Bills getting a W, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I had the Bears plus six. They lost by seven. I was uh, telling you guys before the show, like, as, as bad as their offense was in that game, I, I really feel like they, they could have covered. They had, um, you know, a, a third and goal, I think it was, or a fourth and goal through an interception down down the, the goal line and lost points there. I think the Titans were held to, like, less than 250 yards of offense. They had a good chance, just couldn't put it together. It, you're, you're not going to win games when your leading rusher at halftime is your linebacker. I think it was Barkevius Mingo was <laughs> yeah, leading the, the team in rushing at halftime. So... You're just not gonna win games when that no, happens. That's really bad. Um, so took an L there. What's that? I said that's really bad. I saw that. Yeah, that's brutal. And then uh, uh, lost with with the Cardinals minus four. They had a chance to to tie it at the the end there, and and uh, was hoping for an overtime, maybe miracle touchdown to cover that spread, but that did not happen. And then I got a win easily with the uh, the Saints plus four and a half versus Tampa. Yeah, so talking about the Cardinals game, and it, this will go right into my four-pack because I had the Cardinals as well. You know, we are a pro-Cardinals podcast, as, we, as we've mentioned on the show before. But did you did you see the kick by Zane Gonzalez? That kick, I did. He, yeah. He kicked it, and I, like, looked away. I was like, oh, that's in. And then they showed it Everyone again, did. and it was so short. Did you see uh, Pat McAfee had a, a parlay? I don't know all the details, but his last leg was Cardinals minus three and a half. And if it hit, it would have been a $71,000 payout. Oh, my God. And there's a video of him on Twitter, like, watching the kick. And he sees the kick. It's, you know, it's right down the middle. He just gets up and walks away thinking, like, oh, this is this is good. We're going to overtime. I've got a chance to cover. And then it falls short. And he's just like, wait, what? Like, that kick looked perfect. How, how do you? How do you leave that short? I I literally the guy that blocked. Go ahead. The guy the guy that tackled uh, Daniel Jones a couple of weeks ago blocked a field goal. That's the only explanation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The mystery, <laughs> the mystery nobody there guy. Uh, yeah, I could not believe it though because I literally I was watching you know red zone in, in another game and I see the kick and I'm like, all right, sweet. And I was thinking the same thing you were, James, like. Kick's gonna tie the game. They're gonna go to overtime. Maybe we'll get a touchdown and we'll we'll get a little backdoor cover on this. And I look back and they're like saying how he missed the field goal and stuff. I was like, wait a second, what happened there? Like unreal, unreal. But um, yeah, so that was a that was a bad beat. Lost that one. Lost the Seattle Bills. Lost the Pittsburgh game. Lost the Broncos plus three and a half versus Atlanta. Atlanta is sneaky. They actually have won three of their last four games since they fired Dan Quinn, which is. Pretty interesting to see. So obviously, I think they that they were onto something with Dan Dan Quinn being the problem there. But I had a brutal week, and like James said, we're now tied at sixteen and twelve on the year. So still good record on the season. Um, we're gonna have a big bounce back week. I, I can feel it coming. And there's some pretty big games again this week. So we'll get right into them. And the first game, and we'll actually start with uh, this Thursday night game, and it's the Tennessee Titans versus the Indianapolis Colts. And the Titans are two-point dogs in this one, and the over-under is 48.5 points. Uh, the Colts are coming off of a pretty bad loss against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I believe that was 24-10. to And James just told you about the Bears and the Titans game um, of last week. So uh, this game, to me, is an interesting game, especially in the AFC South. The Colts' defense has been one of the best defenses in the NFL on on the entire year and actually per dvoa they're actually the third best defense in the nfl um which i mean that's that's no joke so they've been playing pretty well but then if you look at the tennessee titans they have the third ranked offense per dvoa so it is going to be a super interesting battle ak do you have a lean on this game either way um, either the Tennessee side, the Colts side, over under. Are you liking this game at all? I'm liking the Titans on this side. 
I think coming on a short week, um, their style of offense will translate pretty good against the Colts' defense. And I just think Danny Hill is kind of an underrated quarterback, even though he's played really well the last, I guess, year since he started midway through last year. Uh, Phillip Rivers doesn't really do much for me. I think he's kind of losing it every week. And I just think the Titans will cover this game. Yeah, and I think I said two-point dogs for the Titans. They're two-point favorites against the Colts. Yeah. Excuse me on that. Uh, James, do you got to lean on this game at all? Yeah, I like the uh, the Titans side. Um, I had said last week the Titans were kind of my fraud, and I, you know, I I still have concerns with that team. Um, I, I think they're going to get better on the defensive side of the ball, but the Colts may be up there with my uh, fraud pick too. I just Philip Rivers. That offense has been not great. The passing offense has been not great. Ty Hilton. I mean, I, he's he seems to be towards the end of end of his career there. I know he's been banged up and hasn't played a lot, but I just don't see that offense doing a, a ton. A short week, you know, I, I like the I tend to like the home teams on that short week and to be kind of, a, you know, a short home favorite uh, in that game, less than a field goal. Um, I, I definitely like the Titans side. I like the Titans side as well. They're going to be actually in my four pack. Um, and for a lot of the reasons that, that you guys kind of just mentioned, and I think um, my biggest thing goes back to is I, I just don't trust Phillip Rivers. Uh, I thought against the Ravens he would throw at least two interceptions that would eventually end up costing them the game. Um, he had one interception that I saw that they called an interception from Marcus Peters, and I was I don't I just maybe eventually the NFL will figure out like what is a catch and what is an interception, but that was another one that if you haven't seen it yet go find the clip because it is unreal that they called it an interception, then reviewed it, and then still called it an interception. It was really bad. Um, but, yeah, I like the Titans side for pretty much all the same reasons that you guys just said. You know, the Titans are going to lean on that run game. They have the highest adjusted line yards in the NFL at 5.03 yards a game. So they can rely on them and really take some pressure off of Tannehill and then, you know, do what they do with the play actions to A.J. Brown and those crossers. And, honestly, Corey Davis – has been kind of playing sneakily well when he's been healthy this year. So he's been kind of an ups, bright upside for them, um, bright piece for them after drafting him and kind of thinking, you know, he hasn't been what they hoped for after they drafted him so high. But he's had a nice year when he was healthy. But if we keep moving on, there's a, there's another big battle, but this time in the NFC side, and that is the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. So the Rams and the Seahawks have a 55 over under for that one, 55 and a half over under for that one. And the Seahawks are one and a half point dogs at this point. James, this game just moved a half a point from when I saw it this afternoon. Um, you leaning any side on this game? Um, I do. I wanted to tease the Seahawks up. I don't like them at plus two, but I, you know, or plus one and a half now. I, I did like them at uh, plus eight or plus seven and a half, but it might be a situation where I try to kind of like play both sides. I, I do actually, the just looking at the straight uh, spread, I, I, I think the Rams are going to win this game. Um, I don't really have a lot to back it. It just seems like a good spot for them coming off of by Seattle. A lot of travel uh, to the East Coast and back and having to travel again. Granted, not as far, but just seems like a kind of a tough spot for them to, to travel again in divisional game. Um, so I, I, I do like the Rams to win by, I don't know, anywhere from three to seven points. But I, I still do like Seattle and kind of a, a teaser there. I think it's going to be a close divisional game. So I, I may look to, to play both both of those sides. Interesting. Playing with fire. Yeah, that's interesting. AK, what about you? I'm going to be enjoying watching this game. I like the first quarter in this. It's actually my four-pack of the game going over nine and a half points in the first quarter. I think that is a very um, easy score to hit. I think they'll go on a touchdown from either side. It's very possible. I think both teams could put up 10 points by themselves in the quarter um, with how bad the Seahawks defense has been playing. And I'm also intrigued in what the – over-under for Jared Goff's passing yards is going to be. Um, other than that, I'm just going to sit back and watch a high-scoring game and possibly have some players in DFS in this game. 
Yeah, I if I'm looking at this game, I'm looking at the quarterbacks to start, and obviously Russell Wilson is much better than Jared Goff, but then you look at the Seahawks' pass defense, and they've just been terrible. And the Seahawks' run defense, surprisingly enough, has actually been pretty good. They're ninth against the run in DVOA. So, you know, it's not even that they're just they just let up a lot of pass yards or whatever because teams are not just running it because they're so bad at it. They actually stop the run, right? They're actually good at stopping the run, which the Rams obviously want to lean on, and then they use all that wide zone action and um, bootlegs off of it to get to free those guys up and, and really help Jared Goff um, in those passing lanes. I, to me, I, I think it's a good bounce-back spot for the Seahawks. Um, it's more of a stay away from me because I just don't know if I can trust – that 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 secondary. I watched a little bit of that Bills Seahawks game, and it was literally like the Bills were just throwing routes on air. I mean, guys were just open everywhere, and the Rams have a good receiving core. You know, I mean, obviously the Bills have a, a very good one as well with Stephon Diggs and and Beasley and John Brown. But you know, the Rams also have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and and Josh Reynolds, who are also pretty talented. So. It could be something where those guys are just running open all over the field again, and it's going to have to be you know a Russell Wilson miracle uh, to get him back. I do I do like the fifty five and a half, and like AK said, you know DFS. This is one of the highest scoring games on the slate, so it might be something there. But I, I think it's more. I have the Seattle Seahawks in my in my uh, four pack right now as as a play, but I am and I am not confident in that right now, um, especially just talking through it, but. They are the second highest scoring game on the slate right now, which means there is one game higher than them, and that is the game we'll talk about next. And it is a matchup of one of the teams in that division, the Arizona Cardinals, against the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills are two-point underdogs in that game. The over-under is 56 points. Um, This looks to be like it could be another... Super high-scoring affair. Um, we kind of thought that that's what it was going to be with the Seahawks and the Bills last week, and the Bills definitely held up their end of the bargain on that one. So I, I don't know. I think the Cardinals could definitely get in another shootout. Uh, James, are you liking the over-under in this one at 56, or is that too high, or are you going to make a play on either side of this? Yeah, I think I missed the boat on the, the total there. Um, I it just seems like it kind of got away from us a little bit, so I probably won't touch that. I I don't know that I want to bet against the Bills two weeks in a row. Being a Bills fan, it's hard to do that. So um, I think this will be a good game. I, I don't really know which way it's going to go. I, I think you're going to see, kind of like last week, I mean, the team, I think there's going to be one team that probably shoots themselves in the foot with a lot of turnovers, and, and the team that's on the receiving side of those turnovers, I, I think, will ultimately benefit obviously and and probably win that game so um i don't really have a great read on it right now i, I do like the bills and a teaser uh getting them up they're getting two points right now so getting them up to eight um is, is kind of appealing I, I do think um they can keep it if, if they lose I, I do think they can keep it within uh that amount and I, I also feel like they have a decent shot of winning the game too so not a strong feeling either way fair enough ak what about you uh, this is a stay away game for me at the current moment. I'm kind of watching um, what Trey Davis White is going to do. I know he's day-to-day, but you never know with injuries. If he doesn't play, then I definitely going to have to lean towards Arizona. But if he does play, then I'm just going to stay completely away. Yep. So I said last game that I was leaning towards the Seahawks, and I had him in my four-pack. But I'm back. On the cards, baby. Let's go. We're going back to them. They let me down last week. They're not going to do it two weeks in a row. I'm taking them in the four-pack. Cards minus two over the Bills. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to be running all over the place. Um, He had like 100 yards rushing last week against the Dolphins' defense. The Bills' defense is not as good as the Dolphins' defense. Uh, The Cardinals, surprisingly enough, have a pretty good defense against the pass. Uh, per DVOA, they are 11th in the NFL defending the pass, so they might be able to slow down Josh Allen in that high-flying passing attack. We're back on the cards, baby. We're, we're going right back to them um, this week after after the big letdown 
last week against the Dolphins. And honestly, the Dolphins scored another defensive touchdown for like the second week in a row. So that was a fluke loss. That that shouldn't have happened. And the kicker, the kicker left a, a 49-yard field goal like eight yards short. So that, that that's not going to happen again. That's not going to happen again. Um, so that's that. They're they're in my four pack, and uh, I'll just go. I'll start right into my four pack since I've already gotten two two of the games out there. Uh, so like I just said, Cardinals minus two over the Bills, Titans minus two over the Colts, and then the other big favorite that I'm going to have in here is the Ravens minus seven versus the Patriots. I don't think that's a big enough spread at all. I think that you know, obviously, Bill Belichick is one of the great greatest defensive minds that the the history of the, in the NFL, but Lamar Jackson is still going to be able to run over that defense. They they literally did not look better than the Jets on this last game. Um, the, their pass defense is surprisingly the third worst in the NFL per DVOA, so this might be able to get Lamar back on track a little bit with his passing game. I really like the Ravens to smash in this spot. I think that they, they win big. And then the other game that I like is the Cincinnati Bengals plus 6.5 versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. So this is a game. I, I think that the I honestly think the Bengals could win this game. Now they're going to pressure the crap out of Burrow. There's no question. The Pittsburgh Steelers generate as much pressure as anyone in the NFL, and the Bengals struggle to protect Burrow. But Burrow has shown he can make plays under pressure. The Pittsburgh Steelers are vulnerable in the pass if if they get enough time. You know they struggled against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have a good receiving core. So did the Cincinnati Bengals. They have, you know, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and A.J. Green and, and these guys. And Joe Burrow just seems to keep games close. He gives them a chance at the end. So, you know, this game plus its division. This game could be, you know, a three-point game, fugal-type game. So I like the Bengals to cover that six-and-a-half points there. Uh, James, why don't you jump into your six-pack? Yeah, as we touched on it earlier, um, I do like the Titans in the Thursday night game, uh, minus two. Again, a short home favorite. I just think they win that game, so uh, I will take them. Um, I'm going to be on uh, Miami, minus two and a half, hosting the Chargers. I believe Miami is the home team. Yes, they are. So again, another short home favorite. The Chargers just can't seem to figure out ways to win games. I mean, I, I blame some of that on the, the coaching staff. Obviously, Herbert is, is a, a dynamic young quarterback that can keep them in the game. But uh, the Miami defense has been playing well. Tua looks like he's he's going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with. And, and I, I just I, I like the way Miami's been playing. So to, to cover two and a half seems, seems pretty easy for them to do. So I'll take them. James, uh, I'm gonna... James quick question. Yeah. What uh, What was your thought about the Chargers throwing two straight fades on third and fourth? Oh and my goal? God! <laughs> the, the the fade pass is the my 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 pal Mina Kimes will uh, will agree with me that it's the worst play in uh, football. It's absolute trash. You should never run it, and, <laughs> they, and to do it twice in a row, they doubled down on it. That's so bad. God, I don't know what they were thinking. The, I, I feel for the fans of that franchise. I, I thought Buffalo fans have had a bad for a while, but I don't know. Chargers fans, I feel for you. No doubt. <laughs> uh, my third pick, I'm going to go with the over 52 in the Broncos-Raiders. I, I feels like the Raiders games go over every week, um, and the Broncos defense has not looked great as of late. Um the their offense, Drew Locke, has been uh, putting up points surprisingly the last last few weeks. So I just feel like for that to go over fifty two should be pretty easy. And then my last pick, I hate this one, but I'm going back to them. Uh, the Bears plus three. Uh, I I talked about it. I, I still feel like betting them last week was the right side for some reason, and I'm going to go back to it. Um, Kirk Cousins, we we know about his primetime Monday night stature, not great. Um, we didn't talk about this at the beginning of the show, but uh, this year divisional home dogs are 12 and two against the spread, so that uh, kind of meets that criteria with the Bears getting point at uh, Bears getting points at home here. Um, and uh, again, their their defense I, I think will keep them in any game. So um, I, I like good defenses getting points, and for some reason that keeps me coming back to the Bears. Yeah, the Bears' defense has been pretty uh, pretty stout this year. They, they're they one of the better teams against the run. Um, so, you know, if they can, you know, 
stop Delvin Cook a little bit and force Kirk Cousins to maybe win the game, they definitely could be right there in it. Um, AK, how about you? What's your four-pack? My four-pack is going to start out with a nice uh, Vegas-Denver over 52. I think it's just going to be another high-scoring game. The Raiders put up points, have a sneaky good offense, and an average defense. So I think 52 points will definitely go over on that one. I'm going with Washington plus four over Detroit. Um, Washington has the sixth best defense in the league per DVOA. Um, Detroit really hasn't done much to impress me, and I think Matt Patricia is a terrible coach. And Washington is kind of a underrated team. I mean, their win total is not the best, but I think they're playing better than what their win total shows. The third game, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Jacksonville going with a first quarter line, Green Bay minus two and a half. Uh, if you don't think Green Bay's going to score a touchdown in the first quarter, I mean, they've scored a touchdown on their first drive of every game this year. So I'm counting on Rodgers to keep that streak up and at least win the quarter 7 nothing or 7-3. And my last uh, pick, I kind of touched on it earlier, was the Seahawks Rams over nine and a half points in the first quarter. I'm not even going to get into it because I talked about it earlier. Very nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that Washington game quite a bit as well. Washington is actually tenth in the NFL in pressure percentage, and the Lions are fourth in the NFL in adjusted sack rate. So they're giving up a, a lot of sacks, a lot of pressure, and Washington can get after the quarterback. You know, Alex Smith will be in there now. He's just got to make sure that don't turn over the ball and, and don't, you know, snap your leg off again. And uh, I think they should be right there in it at the end. But in all seriousness, I'm a big Alex Smith fan as a person. I just hopefully he, he stays healthy and, and can kind of have a, a few good years here left in the NFL before he can he can retire and go on his way. But uh, let's move on to the DFS portion. So the two of the games that you and James both liked AK was that Broncos Raiders over. And I'm going to start right there with it because I think that my kind of value play of the week is drew Locke and a Denver stack at quarterback. James kind of mentioned how drew Locke has been putting up, uh, points this year. Um, and it's true. He, he had another game last week where he put up a bunch of points He's had over 40 pass attempts in the last three games, 40, 41, 48. He went 313 yards, two touchdowns, and actually ran the ball seven times. Um, In this last game, you know, he's got cheap stacking options in Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, who both had really good games. Jerry Judy is coming off two huge games uh, in a row. He's only $5,600, and he's starting to look like the guy that they drafted him to be with 10 targets in the two weeks ago, 14 targets in this last game, including seven catches for 125 yards and a touchdown. And you know that Raiders defense is is not very good. They're not very good at defending the pass. KG Hamler is only $3,800. He also had 10 targets last week for 75 yards. He also had a rushing attempt. Um if you saw the game uh, two weeks ago, he was the one that they actually drew the play up for on their little sprint out, and he caught the ball in the end zone. So they're, they're going to want to get the guy touches. I think that's just too cheap of a stack um, not to go with that. And then you can run it back with somebody like Darren Waller, who you know is going to get targets. The guys in the, in the last four games, 10 targets, 6 targets, 9 targets, 7 targets. He, he He's getting a ton of targets. Um the only thing is the Denver's D-line, they do bring pressure. Their defense has been better peop- than people think this year. So I think they should be okay. John Gruden is one of the better offensive play callers in the entire NFL. Um, and I honestly don't even mind the other side of it either because if you want to go down even a little further, uh, Derek Carr is actually cheaper than Drew Locke at 5400 where Locke is 5500 But that's like my first. I, I think that's the first thing that really, when I opened up the, the DK app this week and saw those pricings, that was the first thing I saw that kind of jumped out to me. Um, AK, anything right away to you that jumped out to you? I'm just kind of in that game. Um, Nelson Aguilar at 4900 I think, is kind of a steal. He has five touchdowns in eight games this year. If you subtract the... I mean, you can say it for any team and subtract the game, but 
that game against the Browns and it was like 80 mile an hour wins and there was no passes completed all game. It felt like, I mean, that would be, he make may have five touchdowns in seven games. I think he's just a touchdown magnet and he has a nice connection so far with Carr this year. Um, Ruggs has really shown his first round potential yet. Um, but, you know, one of these games, he is going to have a big coming out party. <clears throat> but on the, where I'm kind of leaning is Michael Thomas at 7,400 for being a top receiver in the league, um, coming off injury and a suspension and all that jazz. Um, he had an okay game last week coming back, but I think at 7,400, you're actually getting great value in someone that last year was priced at like 9,000 all year. Yeah, that exactly. He was. He was priced at like um, that much all year too. So he is somebody that I looked at as well. It's the the big question I think at receiver is can you pay up to not to to Devonte Adams for nine thousand dollars? He is thirteen hundred dollars more than the next closest wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. But I mean, we talk about being a target monster. 12 targets, 11 targets, 16 targets, 10 targets. Like, the dude is just balling out right now. He's got an incredible matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know that's where Aaron Rodgers is going to go with the ball. Is he somebody that you can force into your lineup at that at that price, AK? Uh, that's hard, um, especially against a bad uh, defense like the Jaguars. Um, I paid up a lot last year for Michael Thomas, and it didn't really hurt out because he was balling out. And if Adams is continuing on the week, like the last couple weeks, um, you have to pay for it. But the week you fade him and he has the off game, you're going to gain a lot of points and a lot of value over all his competition. But this week, I think it's worth paying up to 9000 especially because we kind of just talked about in the Denver Oak or Denver Vegas game, there is some cheaper options out there at wide receiver that you can come back with to um, balance out that price point. That and that's what I was just going to go with that. Like if you go with that Denver stack or even that Raiders stack, you know, you talked about Aguilar. If you want to pair him and Carr and even Waller up together, you can you can definitely fit this fit him into your lineup as a one off. Like you 100 percent can. And I'll tell you the other thing that is super interesting here and that you're going to want to keep an eye on throughout the week, is right now Christian McCaffrey is the highest-priced running back on the, on the board at $9,000, but he's injured. He injured his shoulder on one of those last drives. It looked like it was either a collarbone or a shoulder. Um, he got tackled, landed right on it. You see that all the time. And he, I, Matt Rule came out and said he's day-to-day. But if he's out, Mike Davis is $4,000 right now on DraftKings. He's basically a free square. Now, he does. He gets a tough matchup with Tampa Bay, but as you can see, just saw, we just saw with the Saints, they can be exposed. And this Panthers offense, they're, they're solid, man. They're very solid. They got good playmakers and Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Teddy Bridgewater makes, you know, quick reads. He gets rid of the ball. He, he doesn't turn over. And we saw Mike Davis when he was in for Christian McCaffrey before. He gets a ton of catches. They... He pretty much plays the McCaffrey role. He plays like 85 to 90% of the snaps. He's getting all those running back touches. He's basically a free square. And I don't know how if McCaffrey um, doesn't, or if McCaffrey doesn't play, how you get away from him. You have to play him, right, AK, at that price? Yeah. Um, at 4000 I mean, the only thing is he could be very highly owned if you're trying to get away from someone that could be 30 40% owned. I guess you could talk yourself out of it, but at that price point, you just leave yourself so much free money in other places that you can pay up, especially if you want to pay up for Devontae Adams. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. If, you, if you're looking to pay for up for Devontae Adams, you got to save uh, somewhere, so he could definitely and be that. with the... Doing that, you could also pay up and do a Rogers Adam stack with Rogers being seventy nine hundred. It's expensive, but that could be a very low own stack in the week or in the week this week. Yep, and you know what? And I, I in that game too, I like another piece in that game, and I, and it's on the other side of the ball, and that's James Robinson. James Robinson, exactly. Yeah, James yep. Robinson just too good. He's sixty six hundred dollars. He's getting twenty five touches every week. Um, Green Bay has a 
they're giving up points to running backs, and I think the Jags just like to run the ball, kind of just keep time of possession, just trying to get through the season, it looks like. Yeah, they're going to help out their young quarterback, Jake Luton, too. You know, they're, and, and like you said, man, it just so many touches. So many touches every single game. He's one of the highest in, in opportunity share um, for the entire NFL, which is a combined um, carries and targets. So, you know, like you said, it's an expensive stack if you go Rodgers-Adams, but if you go Rodgers-Adams, you know, Robinson, run it back with him, maybe throw in a Mike Davis. You have the cheap option if you want to use, like, a K.J. Hamler or Nelson Aguilar as one-offs going the opposite way. You definitely have some options there. So uh, those are just a few of our, our favorite, favorite plays, our initial looks. You know, obviously it's only a Tuesday night we're recording this, so we got a long ways away to go. And obviously the way stuff has been going, you know, Philadelphia had more positive COVID tests. So always got to keep your eyes on that kind of stuff. Um, you know, kind of seeing where, where that goes, but let's, let's jump right into the season long, um, portion of this. And we'll kind of start with the, the Carolina Panthers running back situation. Um, I would say James, that if Mike Davis is available in your league, to me, it's almost playoff time. You're probably looking to get, you know, maybe one or two more wins before the playoffs start. It's almost worth spending the rest of your fab on picking up Mike Davis if he's available. Yeah, I um, if if somebody dropped him with the news of McCaffrey coming back last week, I'd I'd make a serious play for him. I, I think he's the the waiver wires are, are going to be pretty. The depth is pretty thin come come this point in the season. There's there's just not a lot of strong plays. So, um, you know, I, I think he's probably choice number one if if he's there. Um, some other names at the running back position that you could consider would be. Um, Matt Breda, I know he didn't play last week. Um, he, I, I would just double check the the news with him, but I, I think um, you could see him back in the lineup this week. Um, some other names, if you're desperate, I'd say maybe look at Duke Johnson. David Johnson left with a concussion last week, so that bears monitoring. Um, JD McKissick's another name uh, in in PPR leagues. Uh, he seems to be a go-to guy for Alex Smith to to dump it off. I, I saw this, I forget where I saw this, I think it was on Twitter, I, I don't know who it was, but um, Antonio Gibson has one third down touch all season long, which is just, it, it blows my mind. Um, so um, they clearly like getting the ball to McKissick, uh, you know, as a third down back. So if you're desperate at the running back position, I think those are all names to look at. Yeah, I like that too. And it, that is an absolute bizarre stat because... Gibson played wide receiver at Memphis. Everybody kind of thought, you know, you're drafting him to be the guy out of the backfield catching all the passes, but you're right. J.D. McKissick has 100% by the guy in Washington, in Washington this entire time. Um, A.K., let me ask you about another guy, and I, I don't even – I didn't even know he was on the team until I saw some of the highlights, um, and that is Kalen Balaj on the Chargers. Now, that is a messy backfield, but they seem to not want to use Joshua Kelly, who they drafted for some reason. And Kalen Blodge got a very large majority of the touches out of that backfield. And shockingly enough, he actually didn't look terrible. He had, um, let me figure this out. He got actually kicked back to practice squad today. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. they can they can bring. I mean, they can off. move him back forward. But that's be my only concern about like kind of picking him up on an early waiver wire. I guess you could be, you know, kind of looking forward. But I wouldn't spend any fab on him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't spend any fab money on it. But if you have an empty roster spot, I'd, it's worth picking up just to throw on your roster. But I wouldn't waste any money or drop anyone for him. That's hysterical Do because we... he had 15 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. He just got away from Gaze. That's that's what it was, right? That's, like that's what I was gonna say. It's literally the Gaze factor. As soon as you get away from him, you're better at football. Like it's just science. The Chargers have uh, Troy Main Pope, who uh, flashed a little bit um, a couple of weeks ago. I think he missed last week uh, due to a concussion. So he's he's a name to to look at because he he may come back in. And I don't even know if we know the severity of Justin Jackson's injury yet either. So that's just a backfield I want to stay away from. 
Yeah, that is it is, and that was that was a killer for me because Justin Jackson, I actually had him in a couple of my DraftKings lineups, and it was not even like before the game that you found out. It was the game kicked off, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, Justin Jackson is out with an injury." It's like that's well, rough. When did that happen? <laughs> so yeah, that was a, now, actually the game. What about yeah? Um, Duke Johnson is a sneaky little ad out of the Texans, um, but David Johnson's. Uh, concussion who knows how long he'll be out and duke johnson or david johnson there's so many johnsons on that team um david johnson hasn't i liked him going in the last week but i mean he hasn't really looked great this year so if duke johnson plays this week and studs out i could see him getting more carries the rest of the year yeah i i don't i don't hate that now the last one i'll ask you you guys about and James will start with you the the Indianapolis Colts backfield because that is a backfield that seems to be not being able to get figured out. Uh, Jordan Wilkins got quite a few touches again um, this past week. Jonathan Taylor hasn't looked great. He's been banged up. Naheem Somebody Hines is catching passes. Could be a ceiling play, but so also could do nothing. What what are you thinking there? It's another backfield that I don't want to have any ownership in. <laughs> um, it's it's so hard because if you invested in Jonathan Taylor, you, you you invested in him fairly early, right? Probably first first few rounds, maybe third round pick. Um, I, he just doesn't seem like he's fully, you know, the ankle still seems to be bothering him. Um, I think Wilkins had the most rushes in that backfield. It was a tough matchup, but I think he had uh, ten or eleven carries. So for that to be the most isn't doesn't bode well for for you know starting a starting a guy i mean if if you've got one of those those players maybe a flex play at at best yeah that's kind of what i was thinking too it's just one of those things it's almost like the you know you think about like the 49ers backfields stuff like that the 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 ravens backfields those backfields that are just 100 percent by committee and i think i'm pretty sure i did see andrew siciliano tweet out (laughs) mockingly saying hey good fantasy news everyone frank reich said he looks forward to going forward with the running back by committee. So that is not great news. Um, The last one is Nick Chubb is going to be coming off of IR. Is AK, does that do anything to Kareem Hunt's value? Because it looked like actually Kareem Hunt was almost better when he was the ancillary piece, the secondary piece to Nick Chubb having being the main guy is, is, Hunt still somebody you're going to be playing as like a RB two flex spot. Yeah, I'd still play Hunt in the flex spot. I liked Hunt coming into this year. Um, like you said, he looked better as a you know every third series type guy coming in on you know specialty downs. He was getting touches. He was still putting up points. I don't think you can get away from him. Um, so if you still have him as an RB two, you probably the running back situation in the league right now is pretty scarce. So even if he's your RB2, I wouldn't be too worried. But if you have him in your flex spot and you're weak in receivers, then he's worth playing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's keep going on here. We'll uh, wrap up with the last couple things here. Survivor, um, I'm not in any more leagues. I guess if I had a lean this week, it would be the Packers. Over the Jags, it seems like the obvious one. James, I think you might be leaning the same way. Yeah, Packers seem to be the the easy easy pick this week. Um, Got to do it, you know. Biggest, I think they're the biggest favorites on the board. Should be an easy win. So um, I, I don't want to sweat out another week like I did last week with the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That seems like the the no brainer. If you have the Packers, use them. Ak, you got anything for Survivor? Um, the league I'm in for Survivor that I'm still left in, um, I'm kind of happy because both other teams, or it's down to three teams, the two other guys used the Packers already, so I'm going to definitely use the Packers this week. Um, last week I went with the Texans, and they made me nervous, but they got through. I'm glad that you guys uh, didn't talk me too much into the Arizona Cardinals, but uh, this week I'm going to roll with the Packers as well. It's the easy game, and hopefully they... Don't have a letdown. I would agree with that. All right. We're going to end the show like we do every single week with our beers of the week. And we will go AK. Start us off. 
I am drinking Lawson's Finest, and the beer is The Space In Between. It's a easy to drink uh, IPA. If you're just getting an IPAs, I think it's a nice uh, introductory IPA for you guys out there. Very nice, James. Yeah, it's that time of year. Great Lakes Christmas Ale, the seasonal beer. I love it every time it, uh, it comes out. I always make sure to try to stock up on it if I can. Uh, it's from a brewery out of Cleveland, a Great Lakes Brewing Company, 7.5 AB, ABV. Uh, has a very boozy taste to it. It's delicious. Yeah, I've had that one. That's very good. And then I will go with Rohrbach Milk and Cookies Stout. It is a 7.4%. It's from a brewery up here near us in New York. And it is outstanding. You can only, um, it does come out, but it is like one of their select um, seasonal cans. So when it comes out, it, it goes like crazy. Like last year I had to, I had to buy like six of their four packs right away and like clear the shelves because they were going off the shelves so quickly. But it is delicious. So uh, let's get out of here. AK, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and on Action Network? Action Network is uh, B-O-B underscore A-K. Uh, make sure you definitely follow me on there because I update all my games around noon on Sundays. And then on Twitter, I am A-K-0. Oh, I am uh, Kenny Trulove on Twitter. Never can remember his Twitter. He can never remember his Twitter account. <laughs> Doesn't know if he's right or left-handed. <laughs> Seriously. All right, James, what about you? I'm at uh, Fitchy24 on both Twitter and the Action Network. Very nice. Makes it simple. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at jdiz1617. Um, you can also find our podcast uh, site on Twitter, at Over. Make sure you're heading over to Bar- Border Fuel Sports. Uh, I have different articles coming out every week called Edge Factor. Um, they just go a little bit more in-depth to DFS, some of my favorite plays of the week for PGA and for NFL. Um but we appreciate you guys being here. If you're liking what you're hearing, make sure you're sharing it around. Tell a friend. It goes a long way towards what we're doing here. But uh, as always, guys, we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Good luck.